0: Obeying the Lord may bring about some temporary hardship, some trials and tribulations, but this temporary life is just that. This is all very momentary. It may not feel like that now, but when this is over, it will all feel like a blur. And of course, whatever happened happened. There is no way to relive the past. Whatever is in the past is gone forever. That's our reality. But when we obey the Lord, that stays with us forever. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. In today's message, we'll be talking about when people obey the Lord. There is only one way to enter God's kingdom, and that is by obeying Him. And the Father's will may not always produce comfort and physical well-being here and now, but we need to try to understand what is it that does have the greatest value for us, whether it is doing God's will and gaining eternal things, or doing our will and following the weaknesses and desires of our flesh. Temporary success and well-being are not necessarily synonymous with eternal glory. Today's message is inspired on the book of Joshua, chapter 14. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, hallowed and glorified and exalted be your name. Lord God, to you be all the kingdom and the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever, O Lord God. For you are worthy, O Lord, above all things, and there is no one like you, O God. Heavenly Father, for no one can do the things that you do, the love, the compassion, and the mercy that you have on us all. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, O Lord, Heavenly Father, for your mercy and for your grace for the gift of salvation that we have through him. Heavenly Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O God, that you please always remember us in your mercy. I pray for your forgiveness, Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father, Holy God, that you may remember us always in your mercy and in your grace. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you may help us to understand that true faith is obeying you and following what you say for us to do. Heavenly Father, help us to understand, Lord God, that your way is life. I give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's key passage reading can be found in the book of Joshua, chapter 14. This is the word of the Lord. These are the areas which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed as an inheritance to them. Their inheritance was by lot, as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses, for the nine tribes and the half-tribe. For Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and the half-tribe on the other side of the Jordan, but to the Levites he had given no inheritance among them. For the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and they gave no part to the Levites in their land, except cities to dwell in, with their common lands for their livestock and their property. As the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kinezite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold... The Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these forty-five years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, eighty-five years old, as yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day, For you heard in that day now that the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of phebron formally was Kerjath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. Then the land had rest from the war. In today's passage, we saw that there was great blessing and favor from the Lord because of the obedience that the people of Israel displayed as well as at individual's level, in Caleb's instance. For example, in verse 5, it said, As the Lord had commanded Moses... So the children of Israel did. And in verse 14, it said, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And so why is it so important to obey the Lord? Let's first look at what obedience or to obey means. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary puts it quite simply like this, to follow the commands or guidance of, to conform to or comply with. I like the examples that they use to illustrate how the word can be utilized. One example is, he always obeys his parents. And the other example they give is, falling objects obey the laws of physics. And so again, why is it important to obey the Lord? Here's one concept that is fundamental, that needs to be grasped. And that is that God created everything, the heavens and the earth and everything in it, those things that are visible and invisible. In the first chapter of Genesis, it tells us how all things started for us here on this planet and how the Lord generally spoke things into existence. In chapter 2, it also tells us how he, or rather they, formed man from the earth and then breathed life into him, where it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So we see very clearly that as the Creator the Lord is, When making all of the things he made, he established rules for each and everything. In the book of Job, we read that when God himself confronted Job, he told him how he established certain things, where he said, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone?" When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors? When it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band? When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors? When I said, this far you may come, but no farther? And here your proud waves must stop. Have you commanded the morning since your days began? and cause a dawn to know its place. And so it is quite clear that God made everything and as such he established things and how they should work. So this concept of obedience should be very simple to grasp that if the Lord made everything and as the maker of everything he knows how everything should work. Then it is in our own best interest to do as he says. No one knows better how things should be done than the one who designed and created them. It's like the people who wrote the instructions for the car. A car or an automobile does not happen by accident. There is a group of people that design and create every vehicle that exists. Engineers design the vehicle's engines or motors, depending on whether a vehicle is made with an internal combustion engine or in more modern days now, with electric motors. There is an instruction manual to every vehicle And in there, someone or some people write down how everything operates and what maintenance should be given to the vehicle in order to help it function properly and last as long as it can last. The set of instructions that come with a vehicle are not written to cause and do burden to the buyer of the vehicle, but because they have nothing better to do. They were written with the purpose to help the consumer gain as much benefit as possible from their purchase to get the most value out of their investment. If we thought about God and why he tells us what is good and not good to do, similar to something as simple as cars, we would understand that God is not trying to be a killjoy or that he is trying to impose undue or needless stress and angst. But rather, his goal as a designer and creator he is, is to bring about the greatest benefit and blessing a person could ever have. That's the whole reason and purpose for why it is so important to obey the Lord, so we can ultimately fully live out the purpose of our existence and to gain the greatest benefit through that for our own good. That's ultimately what it's all about. Here is something else that we need to understand for our own good. When we do God's will by obeying Him, that doesn't impact God either negatively or positively. In other words, God will be God no matter what. When people look to defy the Lord, they are looking to defy reality itself. There is no escaping the negative consequences that come from disobedience. When God told Adam and Eve that they would die if they ate of the forbidden fruit, He wasn't kidding. He wasn't keeping something from them like some sort of hidden treasure or power. He was protecting them from certain dire consequences. Man did, in fact, bring upon themselves death and destruction when they ate of the forbidden fruit. That's why we all live and die someday. Sin brought upon the entire human race, death and destruction. We are born to die physically, thanks to man's disobedience. And if a person dies in their sin without God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ, then not only will they die physically, but most importantly, they will die eternally. That's what God was trying to avoid for mankind, to go through that unnecessary hardship and run the risk of being lost forever. This is an irrefutable spiritual law and physical law, for the wages of sin is death. There is no defying that law, and that law is more important to us than any of the other laws we may know. And some laws, again, are inevitable realities. Laws of physics, for example, are inevitable. The law of gravity is unavoidable. Man has been able to create airplanes and jets and even spaceships, but they depend on aerodynamics and propulsion to stay in the air. But if an engine stops working, the trip is over. They will need to make an emergency landing somewhere. And so, sooner or later, certain laws can be defied through ingenuity. But there are limits. So in essence, when we obey the Lord, we're ultimately following the instructions that we need to follow that enable us to live the best life possible, even in a sin-ridden world. It's all really not about eternal survival, but more than that about immortality and eternal reward. We always need to keep in mind the bigger picture. Most people believe that they have achieved great things when accomplishing some goals or attaining certain milestones here on earth, but this life is temporary. Nothing lasts forever here. I'm not saying that it doesn't matter having some successes here and now, but when you compare anything attained here and now to eternity, there really is no comparison. And so in the grand scheme of things, does it even matter when you compare a hundred years of doing whatever you want, supposedly defying God and temporary consequences when experiencing an eternity of irreversible and terrifying experiences? Hell is not a pleasant place. Hell is a terrible place. And even hell is a temporary place. In the end, God will cast death and hell into the lake of fire. This is what the book of Revelation has to say about bad consequences and where everything and everyone that opposes the Lord will wind up. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so anyone not found in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire where there is no coming back. It is a place of eternal torment, separated from everything good, far away from God and everything that comes from the Lord. A place where there is no peace, no joy, no kindness and no goodness. It's hard to imagine such a place because there is nothing like it on this earth. But it's there and it's very bad. And in order to stay away from that place, a person not only has to believe in God, because even the demons believe and even fear and tremble before the Lord. But it is necessary to do the Father's will. Jesus said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Do you understand how things work? Many people think that they have found God's favor or got away with things when they feel that things are going their way. But that is far from the truth. Everything will get sorted out in the end. Nobody gets away with anything. And temporary apparent success doesn't mean eternal life and eternal reward. If a person does not do the things that God requires, starting by repenting and converting from all sins and making Jesus the literal and effective Lord of their lives, and I say starting because that is just the beginning, then they will not make it to anywhere good. They can still get left out. If a person just lives their life to their own conveniences, even if they are supposed professing believers, They will not make it into heaven. They will not enter the kingdom of God. These are irrefutable things. You can't talk your way into heaven. There is no Jesus is my buddy kind of thing. It is necessary, essential, vital, and crucial that God's will be done in the life of a person so they can have access to the kingdom of heaven. It's just that simple. That is why it is supremely important to obey the Lord, to do as he says, for the good of a group of people, but even more importantly, for the good of individuals, for you and for me. And so we can see examples of the good that happens when a group of people come together to fear and serve the Lord together, where it says, for instance, in Psalm chapter two, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Isaiah chapter 30 says, Therefore the Lord will wait, that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted, that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him, for the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He shall be very gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Psalm 144 says, Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield, and the one in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him? Or the son of man, that you are mindful of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Bow down, your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains and they shall smoke. Flash forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out your arrows and destroy them. Stretch out your hands from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises to you. The one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David his servant from the deadly sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words and whose right hand is at right hand of falsehood. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. That our daughters may be as pillars sculptured in a palace style. That our barns may be full, supplying all kinds of produce. That our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. That our oxen may be well laden. That there may be no breaking in or going out. That there may be no outcry in our streets. Happy are the people who are in such state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. And here we can see an example of what happens when an individual obeys the Lord. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. When we obey the Lord here on earth, it may not all necessarily turn out great and fine, or at least like we may want things to turn out during the here and now. There is really no guarantee of blessing and prosperity here on earth. And we have real life examples of that in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. Obeying the Lord may bring about some temporary hardship, some trials and tribulations, but this temporary life is just that. This is all very momentary. It may not feel like that now, but when this is over, it will all feel like a blur. And of course, whatever happened, happened. There is no way to relive the past. Whatever is in the past is gone forever. That's our reality. But when we obey the Lord, that stays with us forever. More exactly, we live forever. And this temporary world does not compare to the eternity we have to look forward to with God Almighty and all things that come with Him, the things He has prepared for those that love Him and serve Him. If a person has any kind of intelligence, they should be able to understand that eternity is much more valuable than this temporary and very imperfect life. When people obey the Lord, both as a group and as individuals, great things can happen here and now, but more importantly, immortality is within our grasp as individuals. Incomparable things are ours through Jesus Christ if we do as he tells us to do through his word, if we obey. The Lord puts in my heart often to leave very clear this point this matter of just how important it is to obey the Lord because it appears that many so-called believers don't really grasp it. Many have been fed some sort of version of an apparent truth that is just that. It's not the whole truth. It's something that is missing the main ingredient in order to attain the benefit that is truly desired. Faith alone does not get you into God's kingdom. We were created for good works, which implies directly that we need to do something. We were made to produce something or some things. Just as the Bible says, faith without works is dead. A person can say all they want that they believe in God, and that God supposedly even blesses them for their faith in Him. But if they do not do God's will, if they do not obey the Lord, they are still living a faith that is not true. They are only looking to God for a convenience, and God cannot be fooled. The Bible says it very clearly. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? thus also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead but someone will say you have faith and i have works show me your faith without your works and i will show you my faith by my works you believe that there is one god you do well even the demons believe and tremble but do you want to know O foolish man that faith without works is dead that's why we cannot afford to live life And do based on the benefits we hope to attain here and now. We cannot live life just thinking about the here and now. We need to have a heaven-bound heart and mind through Jesus Christ. Yes, life may be difficult now. Yes, there can be hardship now. Yes, some of it may even be unfair when suffering for the kingdom of God. But just as Jesus Christ himself prayed, your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven god's will must be done in our lives for our own good and for the good of others the greatest good any of us can achieve through jesus christ is not temporary in nature the here and now will go away yes both caleb and israel were blessed by god physically here and now but that temporary blessing is not what it's all about that physical promised land will be destroyed what is most important is that they did god's will which in turn will help them gain God's eternal reward. We cannot be so focused on the here and now and on the temporary. We need to do those things that last eternally. For it is also written, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the message is simple. If you want eternal life and eternal reward, then just do what the Lord tells you to do through his word without thinking about what may or may not happen here and now. Don't do things because you hope to gain some sort of temporary benefit here and now. Do them first because you have learned to love the Lord. Endeavor through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to fulfill the Father's will in your life because you have come to value God's love for you. Loving the Lord with all of your heart will help you obey the Lord throughout any circumstance and challenge you may face. Then, and only then, will you do what is truly necessary and attain what God has prepared for those that love him. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you may help us to understand, Lord God. Lord God, help us to understand the temporary nature of this planet, of this world, of this life. Help us to understand, Lord God, that we cannot put our faith in things here, that we cannot make the reason of our existence for things here. The here and now, Lord God, is temporary. All reality there is no value in it Lord God especially when compared to the great things that you have and that you are Heavenly Father help us to understand that this is only a place of decision of preparation of training so that we can be ready for what is to come and what truly matters help us O oh Lord not to live for these things but help us O lord to be able to live for you to look for you to understand who you are lord god to endeavor through your son jesus christ to be able to do your will and lord god help us to understand that your will is best for us because if it wasn't for your will for your purpose to be accomplished We would not have any hope of salvation, of eternal life. Lord God, we'd be completely hopeless if your plans were not accomplished. Help us, O Lord, to understand that through and through, Lord God. Help us to understand that we need to do just as you tell us, Lord God. I give you thanks, O Lord, and to you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.